1: the money
4: that's what i always say you always follow yeah the money. yeah this is follow the money with mitch moss and paulie
1: howard on vsin
5: welcome in this is follow the money here on vsin v sports betting network the show is brought to you by DraftKings. we're live downtown las vegas circuit resort casino one paul enters the studio the other one leaves paulie is uh, out for the final hour today he's not feeling well um fever today coughing runny nose during the breaks we sprayed everything down here I don't think you have anything to worry about professional sports better Paul Stone is in studio here early on a Friday morning good
6: to see you again pal how are you oh man just great to be here with you uh Mitch which wish uh Paulie was with us but uh he needs to get better so hopefully he'll have a good weekend and be back with you on Monday what brought you out to Las Vegas this time of year well, my wife and I, actually, my wife Abby and I are celebrating our 24th anniversary on Monday. Oh, congrats. So, thank you. So, we're we're out here kind of celebrating that a few days early. also had some tickets and some things to, you know, some accounts out here to clean up a little bit. So, I uh, came out to do a little bit of business as well. So, just out for a few days.
5: Very good. We're going to get into college basketball coming up in about 15 minutes. You're knee-deep into that sport. Uh, but books have already, and this I say already... It's been more than a month now, right, where some of these books across the country are offering college football games of the year. Uh, a lot of huge matchups matchups next year, obviously, the Big Ten, uh, some of these non-conference games, the SEC as well. But you had to drive from where you live in Tyler, Texas, that area. You, you make a drive to Louisiana quite often to make bets at legal sports books, And you did this when games of the year were announced. What kind of caught your eye right away?
6: Well, i tell you, I'm about 100 miles from Streetport, Louisiana, so that's where I go to bet these games of the year. FanDuel came out with uh, 11 or 12 games, I mean, within days of the national championship game between Michigan and Washington. So FanDuel's got about a dozen games out, and uh, Caesars has probably about six games out. But one of the first games, probably the one that caught my eye the most, is Notre Dame going to Kyle Field to play Texas A&M in the season opener for both uh, teams. A&M favored by one or one and a half right now over the Fighting Irish. This is going to be obviously the opening game debut for new AM head coach Mike Elko. And, you know, AM, obviously, like a lot of teams uh, with a coaching transition, a lot of movement on the roster. I think they've got about 25 new players. The Aggies are highly ranked in a lot of people's transfer portal rankings. But I just don't see it. I think they're, uh, of course, some of the losses were maybe part of the culture problem there in College Station, but the players they're bringing in collectively are not as talented as the players that exited. Mm -hmm. They don't have a whole lot of guys who've been really uh, ultra productive at the Power Five level. So uh, this Notre Dame team, going to be a top 10 team, going to be a top eight team. Got Riley Leonard coming in from uh, Duke, uh, who ironically played for Mike Elko at Duke, and now he'll be facing him uh, on both, both guys with uh, different teams. But I just like this Notre Dame team. Kyle feels a tough pace, place to play, but I think Notre Dame's going to beat uh, A&M in the, uh, in the opener. Texas minus two and a half at Michigan in week two. Michigan off a national championship, but they're going to lose. They've got 18 guys that, that went to an NFL combine. Uh, might break the record for uh, – all time uh, most draftees by any school. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia had 15 in 2022. So a lot of losses, personnel losses. Going to have a new uh, quarterback. Who knows who's going to play quarterback for the Wolverines? Uh, Sharon Moore, the new head coach, 38 years old. Uh, you know, kind of remains to uh, be seen what's going to happen there. Uh, but they're facing again a Texas team that's a veteran team. Quinn Ewers back at quarterback. They lose four quality receivers but they get four quality receivers out of the portal. So I think this Texas team they're going to be a top 5 team. I think they're going to beat Michigan by more than a field goal there in All Ann Arbor. Right.
5: Very good. So for people who are listening right now and you know they can take in Vsin 15 minutes at a time. They have full-time jobs. They have families. You know, they they really like to bet on sports, but they don't do it for a living. Are you It's tough to like keep up with the transfer portal obviously. Uh, are you entirely caught up with every team across the country? How much how much of a grind is that?
6: You know, to say that I'm entirely caught up, Mitch, would be... Uh, power five would, teams? Would or... frank. Yeah, you know, I concentrate right now really on those power five teams and really even, to take it a step further, about the top 30 teams. Because okay. the, the first order of business in what I do and, and guys like Brad Powers do, in my opinion, is we're going to concentrate on those games of the year. And those are going to mostly... Center around the top 30 teams, so I don't need to be spending a whole lot of time on the Sun Belt and Conference USA and some of the so-called mid-majors or whatever because they're not going to be involved in those game mm-hmm. games of the year. So I, I concentrate. I'm pretty excuse me. I'm pretty much up on the transfer portal, but I've really been heavily involved in college basketball this this year. Uh, there's only 24 hours in a day and 168 sure. hours in a week. So yeah.
5: Okay, so it's follow the money here on Veasan, the sports betting network. Paul Stone, our guest, professional sports better. We had a conversation on the show yesterday with the uh, the news of the the playoff potentially already going to 14 teams, and we've never even had a 12 team playoff yet, right? It was Paulie, it was me, it was it was Mike Palm. Both those guys scoffed at the idea of, and they don't trust Sark to put it together, going to the ICC and being like a series contender. I said I I raised my hand and I said sorry, guys, I completely disagree. And I said, if I could buy stock in any team moving forward, it would be Texas. Now, does that mean he's going to win national title after national title? No, but I I fully trust this guy to bring in as much talent as almost like any other team in the country. You are in that state. You have been around that program for many, many years. Which side of the fence do you lean on?
6: Yeah, you know, I said I think last summer, uh, certainly on this program and others, that I thought Texas was was starting to hit their stride and thought they might be a playoff team, and they were able to to sneak in there. Steve Sarkeesian is recruiting at an extremely high level. Texas got a slow start in the NIL world, uh, weren't overly aggressive the first year, but now they've got that thing clicking. And, the, you know, a program like Texas with the resources that they have – uh, NIL is something that they can really profit from and as much as I don't really like it I think some of the rich are going to get richer and I think Texas is one of those teams as you said SEC uh, they're not going to be able to, to have off days uh, like they did in the Big 12. You no, know, They, they no. almost, almost got beat by Houston last year. Uh, could have lost by Kansas uh, to Kansas State yeah, yeah. at home. Had trouble beating TCU those games will be losses uh, more often than not in the SEC so they have to take it up even a further notch, but Texas is one of the top, you know, I would say, you know, in the next five to 10 years, Texas is one of the top three programs in the country. I totally agree I think with they're that. right there. Yep. They're, they're, they're growing. The, the momentum is continuing. One
5: of the other games of the year, Texas on October 12th, a 10-and-a-half point favorite against Oklahoma, total is 60-and-a-half. You've generally had an opinion on this matchup, I think, over the years when we've talked to you about that. Anything
6: here? Absolutely. I mean, you know, Texas, uh, again, enters the SEC on a – higher trajectory than Oklahoma. I think anybody would uh, agree with that. But when was the last time the Longhorns were favored <laughs> by double digits over the Sooners? Uh, and the reason for this line, I mean, frankly, is, is Jackson Arnold, uh, Oklahoma's true sophomore quarterback, who is the presumptive starter uh, after Dylan Gabriel transferred to Oregon. They also, the Sooners, I will add, they picked up Casey Thompson, who began his career at Texas, Didn't do much uh, in subsequent stops at both Nebraska and then Florida Mm -hmm. Atlantic. But he's a a possibility there, too. But, again, uh, Jackson Arnold or whomever will have some games under their belt when they face Texas the second Saturday in October there in Dallas. Going to be closer to seven, I think, the line. So I took ten and a half with Oklahoma over Texas. And then one of the marquee games of the year, Georgia at Mississippi. Georgia, I took them at minus three and a half there in the Grove. You know, after back-to-back national championships, Georgia obviously didn't make the playoff last year. I think most people would uh, probably agree that they were among the top four teams, yes. but that's not the way it works. But this Georgia team, they've won 30 of their last 31 games. Uh, they won 46 of their last 48. The personnel loss is obviously very, very heavy uh, on both sides of the ball for Georgia, but they returned Carson Beck, who early on was kind of you know, feeling his way around, but by the end of the year, Carson Beck Oh, he, was he, wasn't really just, good. he wasn't a system quarterback. No. He was one of the best quarterbacks in college football. So, you know, you went at the level that they do, uh, and even as optimistic, especially in the offseason, as things are going to be in Oxford around this Ole Miss team, this is a certain top-ten team, maybe as high as number seven in the preseason poll. Lane Kiffin, the self-proclaimed portal team, uh, he did it again in the portal. They just continued to, to add players. But – you know, Georgia is still Georgia until further notice. Not the gold standard. So I took Georgia minus three and a half at Mississippi.
5: Some of these games next year, the schedule in college football is going to be better than ever. Uh, October 19th, that Georgia program plays at Texas. The Bulldogs are one and a half point favorites on the road.
6: Yeah, you know, it's certainly that's a game that catches your attention because it's such a big game and such an exciting game. Uh, But I want to see a little bit. I think that line's about right. You know, I think Georgia should be favored. I think they should be favored by less than a field goal. But I'm going to get a few more data points before I wade into that one outside of any injuries. But what a good game. How about that
5: back-to-back for Texas to get Oklahoma and then Georgia back-to-back? Okay, how the mighty have fallen, right? You talked about how the NIL, it's been accepted in Texas. They have endless funds there, obviously. A guy who's been slow to come around to that, transfer portal, of the mighty you've fallen. Clemson catching 12 and a half against Georgia. That game is going to be in Atlanta on uh, August 31st.
6: Yeah, I mean, Dabo Sweeney, he's, uh, you know, made it clear uh, and articulated it. I don't know if that's the, the wisest thing to do, but he's articulated his disdain for the, uh, the changes in the new college game. But you got to, you know, you kind of got to do it. Yeah, you do. It's, it's, it's the way the game's played now. And uh, Clemson's not the same Clemson uh, of, of three or four years ago. They've got to go to Georgia. Uh, kind of difficult to think of Clemson as a double-digit underdog, but uh, here we are. And uh, you know, I don't have a, a strong opinion on okay. that game either. But what a, a another great early-season matchup.
5: Let's follow the money here on Veasan, the sports betting network. Our guest, Paul Stone, professional sports bettor. Uh, Paulie Howard bailed the final hour; he had to get out of here. He's he's not feeling well, running a high temperature. You get the drill on that. Uh, we'll run down some more of these numbers up on games of the year. LSU plays USC out here in Las Vegas to begin the year. Michigan is laying a huge number against a new Big Ten foe. I think that might be too many points. And also, Paul Stone is knee-deep in college basketball like we talked about. If he has his eye on anything tonight, some of tomorrow's matchups, who he's looking to bet on and or fade in the madness coming up next month, all coming up here on v Start your morning with a daily dose of winning strategies, insider tips, and the latest buzz with the free VSIN daily newsletter. Today's newsletter, loaded with a bunch of college basketball nuggets. Uh, don't forget tonight, it's the Circa College Basketball Challenge as well. Become a VSIN insider. Go check that out. Get the latest expert analysis and latest odds as well. VSIN.com slash newsletter to describe. Mitch Moss here with Paul Stone. Professional sports better. We'll get into college basketball numbers and what you're looking at tonight and maybe tomorrow coming up here in a minute, but to put a bow on this discussion with games of the year in college football, September 1st out here, Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, LSU is six against USC. Is that too many points? I mean, USC, the way that they ended the season, is that kid that played in the bowl game going to be back for the Trojans? Is he going to be the
6: guy? He sure looked like it. I mean, I I don't think they were expecting – Miller Moss to to perform at that a cousin level. by the way so not, no, a, say, not a close relative but if, mean, his, it, if he makes the NFL uh, he's going to be a really close relative yeah you say it uh, a few times fast it sounds like Mitch Moss yeah. but he uh, yeah he, he came up so big I think they were you know they were clearly probably expecting to have to go to the transfer portal to find their next quarterback but they uh, got their answer in the bowl game LSU is going to be uh, starting uh, Nussmeier. Uh, the son of NFL assistant coach Doug Nussmeier, who's waited his time. I think he's been there three or four years and uh, hasn't left. So now he gets the uh, the big opportunity there for LSU. And, you know, when you have unknowns, I think in the early season, you're kind of tilted a little bit towards that underdog yeah. side. So maybe USC is the side here in Vegas. That's where I would go. Some
5: other, just numbers for uh, note-keeping purposes. September 28th, Georgia's laying three-and-a-half at Alabama. Kalen De- Kelly DeBoer's first year ever with the Crimson Tide. October 5th, what do you think of this? Michigan's lane, 11-and-a-half on the road at Washington. No penics. They're going to lose a bunch. But as you mentioned, so will Michigan.
6: Yeah, I mean, I haven't, I haven't played that game, haven't played the Huskies. But double digits does seem, I, I make lines on these games. I think I made that like eight-and-a-half or nine. Did you? Okay. I, I thought it was, uh, you know, I thought the double digits was a little bit high. But again, both those teams have... So many new players, so many new uh, situations, new coaches, obviously. So, uh, yeah, but that does seem, again, it's one of those situations where your tendency is to probably kind of tilt your process towards the underdog team. At
5: this stage of the game, your two highest power-rated teams, I'm guessing, are Georgia and Ohio State.
6: Absolutely. Is
5: Is it those two teams with a bullet?
6: Yeah, I mean, to, to me, they're, uh, you know, they're way ahead of, of everybody else. And I think they're about, uh, you know, about at the same level. Okay. Georgia does have a lot of uh, players that they're going to have to replace. But obviously, the level that they've recruited at, they have replacements waiting in the wings. And this o- Ohio State team, you talk about a team that fortified their roster. I mean, you get Quinshawn Judkins from Ole Miss. You already had Travion Henderson. Uh, you've got uh, wide receivers back obviously Uh, you've got the quarterbacks the wild card for Ohio State Will Howard's going to be the guy a little bit too interception prone uh, at Kansas State so we'll see how that evolves and then uh, you know defensively they get Caleb Downs from Alabama the best safety probably in all of college football this year so they're the two best and then maybe uh Oh, Oregon uh, after that, maybe Texas at number four. Okay. I'm
5: glad you brought up Oregon because October 12th, Ohio State plays at Oregon. The Ducks are one and a half point favorites, total 57 and a half against the Buckeyes.
6: Yeah. A Big Ten game. It's How about hard that? to think of that. I'm thinking of as, you know, you have to get out of that mindset of yeah. thinking about that. It's just a big non conference deal. If that's a conference game, and, you know, Dylan Gabriel, I've heard some disagreement about uh, Oregon's. Uh, you know, honing in on him as, as Bo Nix's replacement. But when he's on uh, and he's healthy, I think he's a good quarterback. I mean, I saw him, uh, was there at the Texas game this past year and Dylan Gabriel uh, brought his uh, his A game and uh, didn't single-handedly beat the Longhorns. But again, man, that's just a, a tough game to call. I'll wait for some, uh, some more data points, some more games, but what an exciting, intriguing yeah. matchup in that conference.
5: Well, it tells you how good people think the Ducks are going to be this year. And you have them third overall in your power ratings and their favorite over Ohio State at home is is pretty uh, telling, actually. It's follow the money here on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network, professional sports better. Paul Stone's our guest. So you're uh, obviously really, really deep into college basketball at this point in this stage of the game. First of all, what kind of season are you having betting the uh, the sport?
6: I'll tell you, it started out extremely slow, uh, Mitch, but it has been really good. Uh, you know basically outside the first three or four weeks of the season and especially the last couple of weeks so have had uh have had mostly good uh, good nights but college basketball to me it's kind of like our uh friend here at circa nick bogdanovich i think you guys quote him from time to time talking about major league baseball comparing it to uh, or saying you need i don't want to miss uh, misquote but you need uh a revolver and a bottle of whiskey to, to bet Major League Baseball day after day. And college basketball is the same thing. I mean, you're going to have ups and downs and highs and lows, and you've got to keep your head on straight. You're going to have periods of winning, periods of losing, and you can't lose perspective in any case. It's a four-month, just day-to-day grind, but really enjoy it. Are you um, are you betting all conferences? Uh,
5: like any team on the board, any game on the board? Or are you concentrating on certain conferences? The top twenty-five teams, et cetera.
6: You know, I'm concentrating primarily on the the Power Five or the Power Six conferences. I guess if you uh, count the Big East, but I, I specialize probably in the Western Athletic Conference. That's been very good for me recently. And, and the Southland Conference, you know, kind of the regional conferences in, in my neck of the woods. So, you know, with three over three hundred and sixty teams playing Division One basketball. Um, You know, I think maybe Hoops Peterson can handle it, but most people just can't digest that much uh, information and bet that many teams. So uh, I think you've got to kind of par it down. You've got to make it more manageable, and and certainly that's what I do in college basketball. Did you fade Grand Canyon last night? I did. I did, yeah. I I shared that one with uh, Tim Murray and JVT uh, uh, during the day, but uh, played uh, Tarleton State, got five-and-a-half, Tarleton State, a team that's now not only won seven games in a row, but they've covered seven games in a row. So the Texans uh, out of Stephenville, high, uh, Stephenville Texas, rather, uh, really playing well in the WAC. Did that
5: affect what's going to happen with Grand Canyon if they don't win and get the automatic bid, don't win their conference out here in Las Vegas?
6: Yeah, I think. Do they have three or four losses three now? Three now, I believe, on the year. Yeah, and they have over 20 wins. I mean, I, I think in the WAC, I think you've got to win your conference tournament. I don't, I don't think there's going to be... Um, any at-large bids out of that league. It's an exciting league. It's one of the funnest leagues. Of course, I'm heavily invested in it, but it's one of the funnest leagues in all of college basketball, in my opinion. But I don't think they get more than the automatic bids. So, the uh, yeah, the Lopes are going to have to probably win the tournament. I think so,
5: too. Um, Wazoo, certainly, I mean, skyrocketed, you would think, up the brackets this morning as a 13-point dog, went to Arizona, won it late outright, 77-74, First time they swept Arizona, I think it was since 2009. So they were projected around that 8-9 line before last night. Forget about that's over with now. Probably, you know, we're looking at maybe a 5 seed now for this team. Were you involved in that game at all?
6: I was not. You know, I I thought about them as a double-digit underdog and didn't uh, didn't pull the trigger, so I was not involved. But, you know, like you said, they've got to be around a 5 or a 6 seed. Heard somebody mention this uh, maybe on Twitter this morning or, or late last night that uh, Kyle Smith, their head coach, got to be one of the leading contenders for Coach of the Year Has or a National Coach of the Year. That's a, a tremendous job they've uh, he's done there with that program in Pullman. Yep. Do you have futures at all? You know, I don't. I'm just not. You're, uh, not, a, you're not a big futures guy I'm, in general. I'm not a big futures guy. And, you know, I, not to dissuade people from, from betting because this is a betting show, but, you know, if you're going to bet futures – in college basketball, you need to do it early in the year oh, yeah. if you're going to get the value. Because I don't think you're really going to get any value uh, here on uh, February 23rd. Well, for in example, futures.
5: Wazoo two weeks ago 500 to one. Now after last night, there was one book that still had 250 to one on them earlier today. That's not going to be available beyond the next. If it is next half an hour, hour, whenever they're going to wake up and realize it's too big of a number, they're like 75 or 100 to one now.
6: Yeah, five hundred is a lot better than seventy five yeah. one. Yeah. So yeah, that's what you gotta. That's what you gotta do. You gotta get in early, and, and I think the people who do well with futures and get those high payoffs, you know, they're uh, they're beating everybody to the punch. And now we're getting close to March Madness, so a lot of the the value is obviously uh, long gone. Any bets on the board tonight? Yeah, I'll tell you. In the Ivy League, I, I like Cornell. I bet them yesterday on the overnight at minus one over Yale. Uh, Yale lost uh, its first game uh, this past weekend. Yale likely going to be without Matt, uh, Matt Noling, who's got a groin injury. Uh, Noling, one of their top players. And looking at that uh, game, uh, the first game that they played, Cornell actually led at Yale late, uh, led by seven points with eight minutes remaining. Noling had a three point play, a traditional three point play with a few seconds left. Uh, Yale won that uh, opening matchup 80-78. to 78. I think Cornell is going to get them uh, tonight. Also in that opener, Yale shot 27 free throws at home. Cornell just shot at 11. So I think those things kind of tend to, to come around and kind of you know come back to the mean or what have you. So uh, I like uh, Cornell, even at the current number, pretty much market-wide right now, I think minus two. So minus I like two. Cornell minus two over Yale tonight.
5: Okay, so that's your best bet tonight in college basketball. We'll continue talking college hoops. It's follow the money. Here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. I want to run down. We'll look at some of the Ken Palm numbers, uh, Paul, for tomorrow's slate. It's an awesome schedule in college basketball. We'll find out what you're looking for, maybe what some of the numbers that you have on these games as well. For example, Alabama and Kentucky. Um, is there any chance of like betting that game or having a strong opinion on either side? We'll ask Paul about it coming up here on VEASAN. This week on DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers can deposit $5 and get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. If your first bet loses, download the app and use the promo code VSIN. That's V-S-I-N when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. It is Follow the Money here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Mitch Moss along with Paul Stone. Paul, he had to bail. He's uh, under the weather here. Hopefully uh, he gets right over the weekend and is back on Monday. I will say that uh, recovering from an illness as you get older, oh boy. It's uh, not a lot of fun.
6: Absolutely, yeah. It's good to, It's good to stay well and not have to, to deal with that. So uh, yeah, hopefully he's, uh, he's not gonna have a tough weekend. So hopefully he'll be back stronger than ever.
5: The day of the 24 hour bug is long gone for me. That's turned into like 72 or 96 hours now, which just, I mean, sign up for old age. Um, <laughs> Okay, so let's look at some of the numbers that we potentially have tomorrow in college basketball. Again, Paul Stone, our guest here. First of all, how do you go about setting your college basketball numbers and maybe staying away at first from looking at Ken Palm or looking at other metrics or power ratings that are out there and available for everybody to see?
6: Yeah, first of all, i just kind of give a quick overview of how I do it. You know, I do it. Sometimes I work a few days in advance because the card is so overwhelming on certain days. So I'll make my number – I'll then look at the Ken Palm number. Uh, There's a Power Ratings guy out there. You can do a simple Google search. I don't even know where he lives or or who he is, but his name's Sonny Moore. S-O-N-N-Y, conventional spelling, Moore. Use his Power Ratings to uh, come up with another number. And another individual here on the network, uh, Greg Hoops Peterson. He shares his... his, projected lines uh like the day before the games i believe and then i'll look at greg's and kind of just fine tune it and come up with the numbers so that's how i work it
5: greg peterson who does his show nights here on the network is he's a machine i don't know how the kid does it it's every (laughs) single game uh he does baseball every single day and he does college basketball and he just he knows the bench players by name for a team that would be ranked like in the 300s at Ken Palm.
6: I tell you, hoops is one of a kind. There's, there's yeah, not, there's yeah. not too many guys like that that just. He, he acts like he doesn't sleep at all. I don't know how you, you sustain life when you're not sleeping. But and he runs 11 miles a day, and uh, <laughs> yeah, you know somehow that, that guy's just. Uh, I, I don't even know if he's human, but he he does a great job. Great resource.
5: Okay, some of the games end tomorrow. What did you make Alabama playing at
6: Kentucky? You know, I made it two and a half. Um, you know Kentucky's been all over the place. Uh, you know I think Alabama's uh, obviously better at home like most teams. Uh, had I had Alabama the other night against uh, Florida and they won that game in overtime but didn't cover the eight points that I laid. so uh, not an opinion on the game, but I think the line will open about two and a half.
5: Ken Palm has an Alabama 90 Kentucky 88 Bart Torvik makes Alabama basically minus 0.2 points, has them winning a very obviously close game. But if this game, the way the way that, it, do you play totals much in college hoops?
6: You know, I've played fewer this year. I just have concentrated on sides for some reason. I, I in the past, have played a lot of totals. But, you know, I just kind of gravitated towards sides, started having some success with it, and I've just kind of, you know, focused in on the sides. I think that'll open closer to 180 than 175. I mean, that's just incredible to have a total like that in college basketball. And I don't have any numbers right in front of me, and I'm not saying that people should run to the window and bet the under. But when you get totals in the 160s, 170s, 180s, I think you're paying a premium on the over because everybody's mindset is, man, these teams score. You know, got to get the over. They're not even looking at what the number is. So I think you're paying that tariff. Uh, You know, I think you should kind of tilt your process perhaps towards the underside in those situations. Give you an example. Uh, Alabama
5: played Arizona this year. The, the total was 185. And I get it. Both teams are absolutely elite offensively. Alabama plays at this breakneck pace. But I'm like, if they have one small drought in this game, going over 185, is. I had to bet it under on principle alone. Now, if they played 10 times, is that game going to go over 185 four or five times? Maybe, maybe. But for one game alone, I had to play it under. And if, this, if I'm wrong on this and it opens in the same number, like 185, then I'll look at the under in that game. For similar reasons, right? And Kentucky's been trying to play more defense here in the last couple of weeks, anyway.
6: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree totally. I mean, those are just my thoughts. That you just again, uh, if you have a, if you have a two-minute drought, you know, <laughs> where neither team scores, uh, you know, you're playing catch-up. Yeah. You got to start praying for three-pointers. So yeah, it, it's tough to, uh, to get over those high totals like that.
5: Paul, uh, what did you make? Houston
6: playing at Baylor tomorrow? I made the Cougars three and a half. Um, you know Houston, another uh, great team by Kelvin Sampson. Uh, you know it's all about defense there with the Cougars. You know their game against Texas, I guess last weekend there in Houston, they they were off. They were all over Texas. I mean from the time they got off the bus, I mean they, Texas couldn't even get off a shot. It didn't seem like they are just elite defensively. Obviously with Houston, uh, your concern is the the offensive scoring droughts and uh, you know the fact that they are a little bit more. Are quite a bit more defensive-minded than offensive-minded, but uh, made that three and a half. You know what the Jayhawks, Jayhawks
5: are like at home? Allen Fieldhouse, one of the most difficult... Houston found that out up close and personal earlier this year when they were favored at Kansas, and they got blown out. Uh, Texas, again, not exactly having the same year as they did last year. The projected point spread here has Kansas about six over Texas. Is that a big enough number in your opinion?
6: You know, I, I was thinking in terms of 6.5 or 7 on this game, so I don't think it's quite big enough. If it comes out 6, I'm probably taking Kansas. You know, Texas last year, a lot of their, you, you know, they really didn't start playing at their highest level until they made the uh, the run through the Big 12 and then uh, through the NCAA tournament. Yeah, right, you right. You know, making it to the Elite Eight and almost get, you know, Miami came from behind late. But Dylan DeSue, that guy's been playing, and he's had some injury problems the last two years. But when he's healthy – Uh, He's one of the better players in the Big 12. And he's the guy for Texas that scares me because he can go off for 25 points and 15 rebounds. But at six, I just think that number is a little bit light.
5: North Carolina plays at Virginia tomorrow. This Virginia team, it can be the most difficult to watch in college basketball. Slowest team in terms of tempo. That's how Tony Bennett likes to coach basketball. Hell, it's how they won a national title a handful of years ago but they scored 41 the other night against Virginia Tech. This is a message I got from uh, Tripp earlier today. He's a huge Carolina fan. He reminded me that they have not won in Charlottesville since 2012. Carolina projected to be, we'll ask you your number on this, but projected to be in the three-and-a-half or four-point range as a favorite. That sounded about right to you?
6: I think three-and-a-half is the number here, Mitch. And, uh, you know, sometimes I've got to guard against personally trying to get too cute. You know, and in my, in my betting approaches and the, the teams that I take. But this is just a – it's an incredible spot for Virginia. I hadn't bet them yet. I didn't bet them on the overnight line, and it's difficult. I mean, it seems like they got beat by 100 by the Hokies the other night. They just look pitiful. But, you know, my tendency is to lean towards uh, the who's, and if they're getting four, you know, if they're getting four more – uh, North Carolina's got to win by five to lose the uh, to lose the bet. So mm-hmm. I, I'm going to take Virginia. I just look for a, a bounce back. It's a long season. I don't want to get too uh, caught up in the recency bias.
5: Sure. So that's definitely a game that you've had circled here. W- what else are you hoping, or if you don't want to give too much away yet before the numbers come out, though, what other games do you have circled for tomorrow?
6: Um, you know, I'll give you a few here, and then three of them in the Big 12. That's sure. in my backyard. And looking at this... Uh, Kansas State, uh, BYU game. BYU's going to be going to Manhattan tomorrow. And uh, Kansas State, they've lost seven of their last eight. Uh, but they've been mostly good at home. They're 11-3 and three, uh, on the season at home. Uh, they defeated both Baylor at Kansas on their home floor. So I think Kansas State's got a good shot uh, of beating BYU. I'm thinking that line's going to open about BYU minus 2.5. And, uh, and then also, again, in the Big 12, UCF hosting Texas Tech. Uh, I project Texas Tech to be a one-point favorite. Tech, not the same team uh, away from uh, United Supermarkets Arena. These two teams played two weeks ago in Lubbock. UCF only trailed uh, by one with under two minutes to go, so I think UCF going to beat the Red Raiders uh, outright there in Orlando tomorrow. And then looking at another in the Big 12, the final meeting between Oklahoma State and Oklahoma with both as members of the big 12 if you remember the environment of the football game there in stillwater uh, this past fall i think we're going to get a similar uh showing by those uh, cowboy fans on saturday uh there at gallagher iba arena i project oklahoma to be a two and a half point favorite uh, oklahoma state looking at uh, the first game again two weeks ago as well Lost by four two weeks ago, but actually led by four with under five minutes to go in Norman. I think Oklahoma State's going to beat Oklahoma there in Stillwater tomorrow. Okay, so you're hoping to get two,
5: two and a half there. And then what what are you hoping for in the Texas Tech-UCF game?
6: Hoping to get UCF plus one. You know, I, I don't okay. know. I, I've seen some projections that Tech might be as much as a two-point favorite. Yeah, yeah. But these home underdogs were successful early in the year, so the line makers squeezing them. So some of the power rankings, I think, are making the road team a little bit too high of a favorite in some of these Power 5 matchups.
5: Let's follow the money here on v The Sports Betting Network will continue with professional sports better Paul Stone up next. We'll go over in-pocket plays. Uh, I have a bet on the board in the NBA. Paul has a couple of Major League Baseball win totals and he also has a fascinating life story, something he did across the uh, entire state of Texas. Fascinating to me, find out what it was coming up next.
0: Uh, cool. If his girlfriend was not these games are a burial, a blowout, a human lock. You can bet your children's unborn children's children on these games! I was so good that whenever I bet, I could change the odds for every bookmaker in the country.
5: Alright, here we go with pocket Plays recapping last night's action in college basketball. A winner with right state Detroit over 159 and a half. That got there. And uh this Queens Stetson game. Evidently was a doozy, and I'm just finding out about this right now. I had 157 bet it yesterday right away, gave it out on the air. This number moved to 158 and a half. They had 90 combined at halftime. And it was 83.75 late. Stetson made a basket to go in 8377. So I was so happy that like everybody who bet that game was gonna go over. Evidently, after the game was over, they went back and looked and they said that the layup is no good. So it landed 158. So for those of you who got 158.5, uh, that stinks. Sorry about that, I can't believe they did that, but that, I had 157, so that game goes over by one point after they had 90 combined at halftime, um, unreal. Here's what I'm on today, looking ahead for the rest of the season in the NBA. The Wizards are a travesty. They're worse than the Pistons. They're plus 290 right now at DraftKings to have the fewest wins in the NBA this year. It's a nine game losing streak. There's no help for this team. They have nine wins on the year. Detroit has eight. I learned this number here. They're right there with them. I got to take plus 290 for the Wizards to have the fewest wins in the NBA. And uh, Paulie with the winner last night, by the way, as well. He had Tarleton State plus the points against Grand Canyon. If you're looking for a betting edge on college basketball, the VSIM experts have you covered. Become a VSIM Pro subscriber today and get our daily best bet emails. video access, the upcoming college hoops Well, it's out already, the betting guide. Um, And that'll be for March Madness as well. Bracket breakdowns plus full access to vsin.com and our exclusive betting split breakdowns of every single game. Visit vsin.com slash pro to subscribe today. That's vsin.com slash pro. Correction, yeah, the March Madness betting guide still to come a little bit later on. Paul Stone's with me here. Paulie took off about 45 minutes ago. He's under the weather You've given out your best bets today and what you're looking for tomorrow in college basketball. You also have a couple of bets in Major League Baseball that you like this year, win totals?
6: Yeah, I've got a couple of win totals here. And I'm going to start with the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Last year, you know, people who follow baseball closely know that the Cardinals were pretty much out of it, well out of it by the All-Star break, Uh, only win 71 games last year. But in the previous 10 seasons, I mean, the Cardinals have been one of the most consistent franchises in all of baseball. Those previous 10 full seasons averaged 90.6 wins a season. Only one of those 10 seasons did they achieve fewer than 86 victories. They've bolstered their starting rotation. They pick up Sonny uh, Sonny Gray, Mm -hmm. rather, Uh, the uh, AL Cy Young runner-up last year. Pick up Kyle Gibson, who won 15 games for the Orioles last year. Uh, and add uh, former Cardinal Lance Lynn. So I like the Cardinals over 84-and-a-half. The number's higher at some stores, but you can find that 84-and-a-half at DraftKings, uh, here at Circa as well, and a couple of other places. And then my other Major League Baseball total in my home state of Texas, I like the Texas Rangers to go under uh, their total of 89-and-a-half. And that, again, available at DraftKings at that number. They won 90 games last year, uh, did the Rangers in route to a very improbable World Series championship. But now they kind of go, in my opinion, from being the hunter to being the hunted. Everybody's going to give them their best shot. Uh, their pitching staff, their starting rotation, I think, is really on thin ice. Uh, two of their top guys, Jacob uh, deGrom and Max Scherzer, Already, uh, at best, going to be back sometime during the summer. So they're starting the season without those two guys. They won 90 last year. Uh, I don't think they're winning 90 games this year. I like the Rangers under 89 and a half.
5: Their, their starting pitching is absolutely going to be a question mark. And I, I mean, to ask those guys to do what they did again and repeat what happened last year, that's a very difficult to ask in my opinion.
6: Yeah, it is. I mean, that was just a a perfect storm. I mean, going into, I don't know, you've you've probably got a a better memory than I do, but I just wonder what the Rangers' win total was going into last year. It certainly wasn't uh, 81, you know, know, it wasn't 500. So uh, that was just a dream season, the way that thing came together and the way everything fell in place. And I just think it's natural to expect uh, some sort of regression. I mean, it'd be a really good year, in my opinion, if they won 88 games. Yeah, right, they go 88 right. and 74. Uh, that's a nice, uh, nice record. So I like that under 89 and a half.
5: All right. So Paul Stone's our guest, professional sports better. During the football season, he comes on once a week. We talk college football. We go over best bets. But also over the years, you've shared some incredible life stories because you have uh, lived a doozy of a life. I mean, talking about like watching, you know, you covered um, capital punishment for a long time uh, for somebody who worked in the newspaper business. You've done ultra marathons pretty much your entire life. What, what is this now that you did for the, I've driven across the state of Texas before, twice in my life. I would never recommend anybody ever try that once. And the last time I did it, it was many years ago. We were driving from Las Vegas to the Houston Super Bowl. And when you get to like, you know, Western Texas, the El Paso area, you see a sign, I think it says something like San Antonio, 497 miles. You're like, wait, what? I knew it was gonna be a long drive, but you're trying to do the math in your head. You're like, this
6: is, well, oh boy, this is gonna stink. What? You've done this on foot, but from the other direction? <laughs> I'll say, first of all, Texas, just to put it in perspective, I live in Tyler, Texas, the eastern part of the state. So if I were in LA is pretty much due west of Tyler. If I get to El Paso, Texas, obviously I'm still in the state of Texas. And uh, I'm past halfway, so uh, to give you an idea. To go to – when you drive to L.A. Right. You're still in Texas, and you're more than halfway. (laughs) You're still in your own state, so uh, that gives you an idea how how, uh, big the state is. And I will – I want to put a – you know, kind of give a uh, disclaimer here that injuries – had some kind of some spinal issues that really don't affect my overall quality of life at a high level. I've got a good life, but I, I quit doing ultra marathons. Probably my last one was about 10 years and 20 okay. pounds ago. So okay. I want to put that in perspective that I'm no longer able to run. But I ran across the uh, state of Texas from south to north in 1993, uh, raised some money for a, a homeless uh, ministry there based in Dallas that focused on homeless vets so had a fundraising component to it but 670 miles did it in 17 days and had each leg you know where you start and where you stop mapped out uh, pre-run we started i had a friend who started with me uh, at the texas-mexico international bridge on the mexico side so started uh, there at brownsville texas mexico border did your friend finish he did not. He he actually didn't complete the second day, uh, and uh, dropped out, and he bailed out on me, and we were no longer friends at that point. I guess. <laughs> so, and in the, in the problem there was that we both had uh, arranged different people to help be our crew to drive along with us and sure. provide us water and just keep us, you know, keep us going. And I lost his half of that, uh, of that staff. So I had to start filling in gaps, but I, I made it. I was going to do it in 16 days, average about 43, 42 miles a day. But I, you know, think of this, I got an Achilles injury on about the 15th day and I didn't quite get to my point. So I wasn't able to complete the 670 miles in 16 days, but I needed 20 miles on a 17th day to get to the Oklahoma side of the red river uh, north of paris texas
5: so you averaged more than 39 miles per day
6: i think that'll be about right it was right at 670 miles okay. over 17 days and the last the last day was after an achilles injury right the last couple of days i had that injury it seems like i think i, I got you, that on the 15th day how
5: do you log well then you're, we're talking about probably 80 uh, 60 miles the last couple of days. How do you do 60 miles running across Texas on an Ach- with an Achilles injury?
6: You know, a lot of walking and just shuffling and jogging and, you know, running crooked is pretty – it gets pretty ugly at that point. But, yeah, just kind of survival, just one foot in front of the other at that point. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a never-ending process, you know, when you're doing day after day. Uh, we uh, started on May 22nd, I think and finished uh, on that 17th day. But you, you, you start early in the morning, you get your ice at a store, you start, you finish, you find something to eat, you get what you can that night, um, you go to bed, you get up, and you repeat, and you keep doing it. How uh, many times did you tell yourself, I can't possibly continue? You know, I got to Victoria, Texas, which wasn't very far into the run, maybe the fifth day. And I said, this is insane. You know, I'm Truly. Gonna, I'm, I'm not going to be able to finish. I might as well quit now rather than keep going and just uh, do all that. But then you just get a second wind. You know, it's kind of like life. You have ups and downs. You have high points. You have low points. You have points where you feel like you're on top of the world. Uh, you have points where you feel like you can't live another day. So you just keep, uh, you know, we say mind over matter. You know, if you don't mind, it don't matter. So just keep say, going.
5: It's inc- You never have any idea how far... You can push your body until you mentally make yourself do it. Is that fair?
6: That's true. I mean, I think people sometimes sell themselves short, perhaps on the uh, just the wide opportunity of life's experiences. You know, but take yourself to the limit. You know, take yeah. yourself uh, further than you think you can go.
5: I'm guessing once you cross the finish line, then it was well worth it. You raised a bunch of money for homeless vets as well.
6: Yeah, we had a. You know, uh, I've done a number, uh, several runs with a. Uh, a um, charity component to it and, and that was uh quite fulfilling i crossed into the red river and that was it amazing story Go home <laughs> Th- thanks so much paul <laughs> thank you
0: it's freddie prince jr and jeff died back in the ring wrestling with freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season hey jeff